Hello and welcome once again to Off the Shelf with Phil and Dave. This is Phil speaking. With me, of course, is Dave. And this week we're taking off of my shelf, 2008's Frost Nixon, directed by Ron Howard, written by Peter Morgan. Dave, how are you this week? And uh, how are your initial thoughts of the movie? Doing great this Have you ever seen it before? Uh, no, I have not. Uh, vaguely heard of it. Uh, week's going great. It's hot out there, that's for sure, but uh, it's nice and cool inside. I haven't. Uh, I was looking forward to watching it because uh, I hadn't seen it, and I was like uh, interested to see the cast and see how well. After we saw some portrayals of Clinton and and Hillary, how they're gonna do with Nixon and and, and David Frost, which I'm not uh, really familiar with. So it was nice to get another dose of uh, Mr. Sheen in all. Mm-hmm. In, in yeah. What what was it? Seventy. This is what seventy seven. I think this took place. Yeah. In? Okay. Yeah. Uh, seventy seven. So. I mean, just a couple of quick uh, early thoughts was, I mean, I think it is, I think it's challenging to make a movie based around an event like an interview because it's really the interview that you want to watch and it already exists, right? <laughs> <laughs> so we don't need to see actors play it out. But I, I think this movie does achieve the goal uh, of make the, making the premise adequately entertaining. And I don't think that's an easy thing to do, uh, to take this and make it into... You know, a, a film like a feature film. So I think it overall is succeeds. I, I'm not going to go as far and say I love the movie and I'm eager to watch it uh, for a third time. But I uh, with the with the performances and uh, the quality of of the writing and such, I thought it was pretty good overall. So I I, I enjoyed the watch, Phil, uh, and 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 thanks for uh, bringing it off your your shelf. Now, has this got something to do with the January 6th hearings we got going on in the news that I don't really pay much attention to, but uh, entertaining uh, nonetheless? Uh, or is this, or I guess we're just, we've, we've done this a, a theme lately, eh? We've done the special relationship. We did all the President's Men. You're just sticking with the theme? A little bit. What I thought would be interesting with regards to choosing this movie this week was I thought it'd be interesting to close the loop a little bit on Watergate to some extent. And so I thought it would be an interesting counterpoint. And I honestly had forgotten completely that it was written by Peter Morgan, who coincidentally had written The Special Relationship, which we yeah, talked about I didn't, a couple weeks back. Yeah, I didn't realize that either. So that's interesting. So that was kind of a nice little piece of it. There's obviously the Michael Sheen of it, which is, you know, he's sort of inching into Ben <laughs> Affleck territory here. We should, uh, we didn't take a little break, I guess. Um, but more specifically, I thought it would be interesting to look at all the president's men and the sort of fall of Nixon, let's suggest. And this really kind of being what is sort of at least hyped to be or promoted to be like his sort of last statement on Watergate specifically. And in, in, in many cases, his, his, you know, fewer and fewer public appearances after. So I thought it'd be interesting to kind of look at the before and after Watergate and before and after uh, Nixon's resignation. So mm-hmm. I thought that would be kind of interesting. And as a result, I really kind of, I think that the movie kind of provides at the very least a uh, general sense as to who Nixon, the president, was. And, uh, you know, it, it's just an, a, a beautiful coincidence that it does tie into the to the January 6th trial uh, hearing, sorry, uh, similarly, right? Sim- similar subject matter. President abusing power and, and, and people trying to uh, get to the bottom of it. So I, all in all, I thought it was a timely choose, a, chi- a timely choice <laughs> and uh, and a good idea to uh, to uh, to look at it. And I hadn't seen the movie. I hadn't watched it many, many years. I'd say five, six, seven, maybe. 
a long time. Okay. Uh, I remember seeing it in the theater, however, because I was such a fan of All the President's Men, kind of a Nixon, you know, kind of, again, not like a... <laughs> certainly not digging into facts, uh, but but watching a lot of documentaries and, and, and movies and such um, uh, on him. So I thought it'd be interesting to kind of investigate it. And I really liked it this this time. I was pleased that it sort of held up. Um, and Good. Uh, impressed that impressed that it, you know Ron Howard's not a director that I particularly love. I don't. Yeah. Really, and when he delivers, when he delivers, I think he delivers really well. Mm-hmm. But he's a really hit and miss director for me. Yeah. He's in my M. Night Shamilamilmin category of uh, some of them I like and some of them I don't. I, I'm yeah, I'm 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 mixed on on Howard as well. All I knew is once I saw it was Ron Howard film, it's like well, we're gonna see Clint at some point. Of course. And there he was in all his glory. Yeah. And I, I love him. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but you know, we we speak about like so he he made you know what I would consider to be like kind of garbage movies like The Da Vinci Code. Which I really didn't like. Yeah, it's, and yet also made Apollo, uh, Apollo thirteen, which is, in my view, a bit of a masterpiece. So he's capable of doing good stuff and everything in between. You know, there's like good stuff and there's bad stuff, and mm-hmm. this is a movie that I wouldn't have necessarily picked him for. As, you know, as a, as a as the visualist or, or what have you to sort of tell this story. Yeah. Um. But but all in all, I was pretty impressed by it. I thought he kept the tone, kept the pace. Uh, pretty tight and as you said you know it's interesting to structure a movie around an interview because um, it's no easy feat you know that's well it's not really it's just it's difficult it's difficult to make that compelling and I think this is the same thing we talked about with with all the president's men is kind of on some level we know the the answer you know, we know the yeah, the, no, the ending. No surprises, really. I mean, there's a few things yeah. we get to know more about Nixon. Not Nixon the horse, but Nixon the man. Uh, so we get a little bit of an inside to more <laughs> Nixon. Where all the president's men, there was no Nixon other than actual footage. And those were, you know, speeches and, and things like that that are available. No actual, you know, here's Nixon being shown. Uh, the other side. Yeah, he's very scarce in, in. He's very scarce in President's Men, right? He just has a couple of those like on the screen kind of yeah. moments. Is an like there's no actor playing his, him. Uh, like there's no actor playing him. Correct. So yeah, so, exactly. So this really and uh, I think it was a pretty pretty good job. I mean, as you said, this movie is structured well. We talked about that during uh, the special relationship, so that makes sense to who's kind of behind it. And and Ron Howard can certainly structure a movie. He has that ability. You know, it's really fueled by again solid performances by all the cast. My, my only, my only kind of th- my thing with this was the relevance. I felt was a little bit deflated. Now it, it could be the matter of me not being around in the seventies and eighties to be to be that impacted by it in the first place, or something that kind of popped in my mind during my second watch was when we in our first season, Phil, we did a movie called The Quiz Show. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And, just quiz show. Yeah, sorry, just quiz show. I just, uh, first, I, swear, <laughs> I, I was searching game show the first time. Where, why is it not coming up? It's called game show. I know yeah. it's called game show, and it's not, clearly. <laughs> and I was thinking how a big deal they may I, may, may out of, of being cheating, like finding out that the producers sure. were, were cheating. And I'm thinking I'm comparing yeah. it to today with, you know, Mr. Trump and all, all the stuff that's gone on in the last five, eight years or so. And I feel like how much the people wanted Nixon to just say or apologize or, or confess to, to, to it. We want, you know, we, we're begging for the truth here. And I just find yeah. that so we're a little more, you know, nah, we're just so tired. I feel that's just my opinion. I think mean, we're so tired of it. 
whatever you know it's a lot easier for them just to kind of do what they want because we're tired of fighting it fighting to get the truth but so i find it might be that may be true yeah that, again, this that is may just be my true but opinion. i think it yeah go ahead of course and that's what we're here for mm-hmm. we're here for you know uh, well i'm here for your opinion and and uh who knows who else is out there listening to this (laughs) whose opinion they care about but i I think that uh i think you know ultimately ironically it's all i think these this uh senate hearing that's happening right now is about is about somebody taking ownership Mm -hmm. and responsibility for their actions and what ends up happening particularly in politics but it's not it's, it's true in many many other facets is the passing the buck Ignoring it, I just it's too much. It's too much to think about. It's too much to process. You know, ignore it. That's from the public after cynicism. You know, what's interesting about the Nixon story is the belief, at least sort of, you know, the general consensus around it is that this is the loss of American innocence or, or what have you. It's the it's the peak of mistrust to government. You know, not necessarily conspiracy theorists, because that may have been attributed, you know, yeah. to, to obviously the Kennedy assassination in the 60s earlier. Yeah. But there is a piece of, you know, Vietnam's going on, 1968, 67, 69, some really kind of really hard times, generally speaking. And so, and you've got someone in the in the presidency that's frankly a crook, as he says. You know, I'm not a crook. <laughs> uh, but in the end, you know, in the last 50 years, we've discovered he actually was. Right, and whether that's the tapes, or it's 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 you know any footage and, and, and the revelations that have come out since, the reality is he absolutely abused his power. He absolutely, uh, you know, spied on people. He absolutely did was in charge of the bugging at the Watergate. Was absolutely in charge of uh, the basically like the dirty, filthy playbook. You know, the enemies list and and the convincing the irs to to audit his enemies like this is a thing that these are things that he did right and so there's this feeling of like well we used to put i say we they you know used to put presidents on a pedestal you know particularly kennedy you know in 60 in 60 in the 60s Mm -hmm. maybe less so lyndon johnson but they you know there's a certain amount of trust that came with that office and i think what ended up happening with nixon was that it got completely blown apart there was no more trust to him. Yeah. Everything was a shakedown. Everything was suspicious. And so when I think about the, like you said, the relevance, I think it's still relevant today. But I think also back then it's so heightened because, you know, millions and millions of people are watching those those hearings, you know, all day long, all the time. It, because it, it, it was unprecedented, you know. And I think what's happened since, sadly, is that it's been precedented. <laughs> it, you know, we've seen... Yeah. We talked, you know, with with Clinton and his impeachment and, and, and the, the Lewinsky, you know, controversy, the Kenneth Starr, you know, things like that. Obviously, uh, Bush had his, you know, stuff with Iraq and Kuwait and so forth. And uh, and then you, you throw Trump on top of everything. So there's a real through line, it seems, about on both sides of the aisle, as it were, uh, abusing their powers to some extent. So that I, I guess watching it in 2022, there might be a, a certain level of like, yeah, but what's the big deal? Kind of like quiz show. We just assume this stuff is rigged. We watch mm-hmm. reality TV and, and oh, yeah. there's no illusion that it's fake, <laughs> you know, or at least that it's, reality, that it's yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So like there is this sort of cynicism that has come with the last 50 years, but I think it's relevant still because ironically, as I say, 50 years later, we still just want the guy in charge to say, I fucked up or I did this. 
Yeah. And I take responsibility. And it, it's just not coming. It's just, it's just not happening. You don't even want jail time necessarily. Just just say you did it. You know? Just, well, that's the, that's it. He got the pardon, right? Like, you know, yeah. Nixon did from Car- from from uh, yep, Gerald before, Ford. Yeah. So, so there is, like, this feeling of, like, there is nothing at this point to, other than ego, right, which they kind of touch on. Other than ego, there's really not much at stake. Right now, Trump right now he wants to re you know run for re-election, so maybe there is some more at stake in that regard. But generally speaking, you're looking at at somebody that, other than ego, has no reason to sort of keep lying mm-hmm. and lied throughout, right? Which we saw in in Water in uh, all the president's men. So it's just been. I thought it would be an interesting kind of bookend, and I, I find it a fascinating piece of history that inevitably seems to be repeating itself. Now maybe I'm being thinking about Nixon too much, but there's a fly in my podcast room here, and I think it might be spying on me. I don't know, it's got like a little, little game. There's a fly on the wall. <laughs> yeah, that's where the term came from. The, the, the fly is... Yeah, it must be. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that, that was my only sort of, you know, when I'm thinking about an entertaining movie, and we watch All Presidents Men, I think what drew me into that, or both of us into that, was the journalistic aspect of it and just a really kind of interesting story uh, and a completely different film. And this was interesting about, we've talked about basically three movies and we, we get them all from a different perspective. We get uh, the actual relationship and the special relationship uh, focused on, of course, Blair and, and Clinton were, and that's who we're dealing with. And then we get the journalists and now we have an, an interview situation with, with David Frost. Television. Uh, yeah. Now, do you, uh, are you familiar with David Frost at all before uh, doing any sort of research or anything like that? Have you had you had heard of him or anything? No. Yeah. He was at the time of the at the time I saw this movie in two thousand eight. I don't know that I'd ever really ever heard of him. Okay. Well, that makes sense. I mean, he's. I mean, we don't we don't get out much if it's not. There's a little bit a <laughs> little bit of uh, when it comes to to British because British is has a lot of good stuff. Uh, I, I I really enjoy like British comedies and, and things like that. But that's I don't I never dive deep enough to get really much past Mr. Bean. You know what I mean? Like everyone knows. Of course, Mr. Yeah, Bean, yeah, yeah. But David Frost and Benny Hill. Yeah, even even <laughs> Benny Hill's only really a name that I know. I'm not really I haven't really watched any any Benny Hill so. Yes. Uh, Subsequent, I have only uh, the only real other connection I have to David Frost specifically is that he uh, I found a YouTube clip uh, a while back where he introduced and hosted uh, an, a special about the premiere of the movie Tommy, the Who's Tommy movie oh, that came out in '75. Oh, okay. So he's the host uh, greeting and, and sort of introducing the movie to on a, an ABC special or something like that. So. Uh, but other than that, yeah, I had no real connection to him. So again, I couldn't really. But at the same time, having said that, at the time that this movie came out theatrically, they put out a DVD of the Nixon interview, and at the time, it was just focused on Watergate specifically. So it was just like the day three interview, okay, just on DVD uh, of the actual real deal. And then subsequent, I <laughs> because they love the double dip in the in the video market. Uh, now I bought the I ended up getting the the original one, but a little while later, I think around the time that Frost Nixon came out on DVD, uh, they put, they put out another one, a reissue of it, and it was the entire 
three-day interview segments. And at that time, I just rented that because I thought, I don't know that I need this, uh, these, you know, four and a half hours of, uh, of this interview. But so there's always an opportunity to cash in a little bit. And obviously that was all David Frost, but uh, not a guy I would know. However, having said that, I thought Michael Sheen portraying and similarly with, with, with Blair in the special relationship is, as we mentioned, I don't really know Blair enough to know, like, is this an accurate, Mm -hmm representation of the man or his mannerisms or, or or behaviors or any of that stuff and yet watching this to me it's a full character whether it's accurate to, or, or not I, I, I can't explain obviously but I thought Sheen was was incredible in terms of embodying the stress and the sort of pieces that that might come along with being a David Frost in this era if that makes sense yeah well, my first viewing uh I'm not gonna lie. I I did suffer a little bit from the the classic nod, um, not because of not oh. interested in the movie. It was just poor timing, and I wanted to get a a, a, a viewing in uh, when I could. So it was a bit of a late night. So I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll get going. You're not gonna hear anything about the nod from me, my friend. I respect the nod. <laughs> uh, so I didn't. There's a few things like I think I missed a little bit with this character because I I feel like. This is a, a great character, and I like what Michael Sheen is doing with it, but I feel like I've missed a couple of things where I missed uh, in the first, uh, I want to say, 45, because I w- ended up seeing the, the whole interview, all the interviews in the first go. Now, of course, I've watched the movie a couple times since, so I've definitely I've seen it in its entirety a couple yes. of times. And my, my final analysis, if you will, of Sheen's performance portrayal was pretty good. <laughs> it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, this guy's a good actor. And I liked him. You know, in the special relationship, it was certainly a part of the movie that uh, maybe the, the movie we agreed didn't blow us away by any means, but it wasn't really anything to do with performances. And I think right from the start, I felt like the performances were going to be strong. And I, I, I got to give yeah. thanks to Sam Rockwell and Oliver Platt for that. Uh, there's so- oh, gosh, I love those guys. There's something really interesting about a character playing a character playing a character. I can't explain it, but the interview of... Sam Rockwell being who he's portraying and doing it as he's being interviewed more than just playing the role in yeah. the movie. I thought that was I wondered how you were going to react to that type of yeah. structure. I've, right? We don't have to we'll get into the specifics but but yeah. just in general, right? How do you feel about the sort of facing talking head camera thing? Uh, uh grabbed me right away. So I liked it. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, I I think and I think it's a lot to do with the performance of all of them that did it. Yeah. So, uh, Kevin Bacon, of course. Uh, you know, Kevin Bacon's not a huge role in this movie, but I welcome him into my home anytime. So oh, he's get, so good. We it. talked about him with Few Good Men. He's just, he's he's in, he's not doing much more in this than he did in A Few Good Men. You know, he's not in it as much or as lo- a lot, but man, that guy delivers. Yeah. <laughs> he's such a great, a great face to see. Uh, so I, I thought, I, yeah, so I, I thought like right away, I'm like, okay, I think, I think, I haven't even seen the, the main people yet, and I'm already thinking that this is going to be, you know, a good performance. And even before we see Sheen or or Langella, if I'm saying that correctly. Yeah. Okay. Good. I think it's Lang- Langella, Lang- but either way, okay. I, I think yeah. Even though you know who I mean. <laughs> That's 100 percent absolutely. It's more just to clear it up for future uh, interest. You who, know, if you're ever... Funny thing, in fact, I looked at his filmography a little bit, and I went far back. Is he played Skeletor, I believe, in? Absolutely, he did. <laughs> Which I haven't seen in the Masters of the Universe. Yeah, so he certainly has a, a, a track record, but certainly a face that you, you would uh, <laughs> that shows up that you're recognizable. Uh, not necessarily as a, a major part or a, a main lead, but a good secondary character, typically. Uh, in in films throughout his career, and uh, I, I again seeing Nixon just briefly on 
on on, on film as himself through old um, old uh, stuff, old old film. I thought they got that look pretty well down too. Like we don't really know about David Frost necessarily, but we're a little more exposed to at least what Nixon looks like. And you know, it's funny. Yes, yeah. yesterday I was going to work and I put Conan O'Brien on a good podcast he's got. Uh, maybe, okay. maybe he'll mention our podcast, but it's a great podcast. Have you ever heard it? Uh, Conan needs a need. He's going to appreciate friend. our German listener hopping over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Conan needs a friend. Don't be surprised if they go up by one listener. Exactly. And uh, <laughs> and he was doing his Nixon impression. I just picked. Oh, I, I just picked. A, I love when these things happen. I, I just picked a random episode before I started because you know I just tap play and away went on my travels. And uh, yeah, he's doing his Nixon. He gets into character and, and he'll do it for a good five ten minutes, uh, whatever he's doing, and just saying things in the Nixon voice. It's pretty good. He's actually got a pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot of people clearly can do it. It's one of those voices. It seems like even um, you know Platt does it right. Uh, his character does. Yes, it absolutely. Yeah. So. He's, he's, he's a voice that people like to have fun with because uh, it's very yeah, it's easily mimicable. Yeah, he's say. a caricature. Uh, so I thought yeah. that, uh, that that was just a funny, funny coincidence. It was yesterday. So it's like, wow, that's a funny coincidence. This random episode doing a Nixon impression. But uh, I think what's interesting about that, as you say, it is. And then we talked a little bit about this already, which is I think that Z- Nixon continues to be in the zeitgeist. Watergate continues to be in the zeitgeist by virtue of the fact that it was so unique to its time that it, the ripple of it is like every, like he kind of mentions even at the end of the movie, right? Like everything that anytime there's a kind of a, particularly a presidential scandal, mm-hmm. it gets gate at the end of it. You yeah. know, there is a Nixonian through line to dirty politicians and crooked politicians. And as sadly, the result, the sad reality is that we've had a lot of, Crooked politicians along the way, so like he continues to be, (laughs) (laughs) he continues to be relevant over and over again because you know he kind of gets reminded, the culture gets reminded that 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 he was such an interesting. um, I'm sure he liked being broken man until he died. I'm sure he appreciated being remembered. Uh, But as as he says, well, as he says throughout, he's like, I remember, you know, I did I did some good things, guys. Like, come on here, (laughs) yes, you know, and I like that that. Overtone. Uh, he has, you know, he's a very interesting character. It's, he's t- a tough. Re- how they portrayed it, anyway, in in this film, uh, it was a bit of a tough read to really understand the man, and to sure. really at the end pick a side where okay, he's good or he's not so bad or he's terrible, and so it's, it's a it's a mixed mixed feeling, and everyone has an opinion uh, about everything these days, of course. And then you have like the truth and the actual truth, which is obviously an interesting thing within the polit- uh, political world. Uh, but at the end, w- just generally, Phil, on Nixon, like, how do you feel about this guy generally? Like, is it like what he did? He's the worst. <laughs> he's the worst. <laughs> uh, he's the worst. He's he's, okay. he's a person that. I mean, again, I've only I only know what I've watched and, and yeah, like what and you've read about been so forth, to, obviously. Right? And I wasn't alive at the time, so I couldn't have lived through it, so forth. But ultimately, he's the worst, okay. um, because I think ultimately what you're doing is upending democracy. You're right, and 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 obviously, you know, there's there's an argument that says we're going through something similar currently, or you know, uh, in the U.S. But um, the rea- my thought is just that that the amount of lying, deceit, subterfuge is astonishing, and it makes me 
uncomfortable to think. And, and you know, the reality is here. I'm sure that these things exist in other presidencies before and after. Mm-hmm. He just got but caught. The, but he would have been somebody that would have gotten away with it. And we talked a little bit about it in in, in President's Men where Ziegler, the, the press secretary, is up there and he's talking about shoddy journalism and shabby, you know, right? Like, and it's all BS. And everybody lied. And that's what that great sort of ending to that movie kind of tells you, right? It's like Coulson and Mm -hmm. Magruder and, you know, everybody, right? They all lied and they all went to prison, Letty and and so forth. So the fact, and Haldeman and Ehrlichman. So they're the worst because they just took advantage of every opportunity to... Yeah, they're not the best. Yeah, they're not the best. And at the people. same time, they're they're you know the the Cambodia stuff. I mean, you're just killing innocent people for no good reason, except maybe political. Yeah, that's a subject you know, matter. Points, I'm not right? Kissinger, until other than what Kissinger I is an animal. Yeah, is a warmonger. You know, uh, so there's just there's too much, right? So he did create the EPA, which is now a joke in the U.S. Sadly, but but the. Environment Protection Act, right? Like he, he did create that, and obviously building relationships, a certain amount of relationships with China yeah, and Russia, Russia, being the first sort of president yeah. to do that. There are things about that relationship or those relationships that certainly had a benefit, but but very little. Mm. You know, the war in Vietnam, he did nothing to stop it. Yeah, well, it wasn't his war, only, as, he, as he said, but yeah, he certainly didn't. You know, make it. Well, that's better. reality, right? Like, what you you know, it wasn't. It's a lot of people's. You know, it's whomever excuse. starts the war, you you have the opportunity to pull people out. Yeah. You know, and you have the opportunity to call it a loss. But again, ego mm-hmm. and other things just yeah. didn't make it happen. So anyway, there's a lot of a lot of language around the fact that I just don't think he's. I think he's he's terrible. Okay. And 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 this movie doesn't do much to I don't think to exonerate him what it do, what it does at the very least I would suggest is maybe humanize him from the caricature mm-hmm. you know from the uh, I'm not a crook yeah uh, stuff but I, I think at the end of the day it, it it proves the reality and and you know he's got the great line later when he obviously talks about like when it, when uh, when it, the president does it it's not illegal <laughs> yeah. you know that is a that is a mindset that is astonishingly narrow and a little bit and has a potential of being real problematic. And again, yeah. we're seeing it 50 years later in the in the Senate hearings now. So yeah, uh, I think he's terrible. Yeah, I think with the exposure. But as a character? Yeah, as a character. As a character, like as somebody that you want to read about or read or listen to. And like, you know, uh, Oliver Stone made his Nixon movie. It's like three and a half hours long, a real sort of A to Z kind of story of his life. He's a complex individual with a really sh- interesting life. Mm-hmm. But I think as a president, he was he was terrible. Yeah, I'm thinking as a, as a person too, portraying him as the man, not the horse or the cow or the, the pig, but as the, as the man. You're you're. I was looking for glimmers of of is this guy an okay guy as a person, not necessarily as a president. Uh, now it's a matter of you know when you cheating like in sports, uh, sometimes it's the best ones that get caught. You know, if you look at like yeah. Tom Brady, he he kept getting caught because well they're the best team, they're gonna catch him. The Jets. Uh, cheated uh, so much more, yet they never really got caught because they were still terrible. It's nothing worse than cheating on a game and still losing constantly. You're not even good at cheating. <laughs> so I thought when I read that, I thought that was funny. But I was thinking, well, of all the people, like he did uh, get caught. Really, uh, you know, uh, it took a while for it really to, you know, come to light and for him, obviously, in this interview, ultimately to to. I guess confess. I think that he did uh, uh, what of uh, doing illegal things, 
you wonder though of all the people who who have done it and don't get caught, are they just better at it or they're just not doing it? I think that's the question. I mean, I think I don't really know Obama very well, but he seems like a pretty good fella. I don't think he, you know maybe he did something that he just never got caught for. But I don't. I think you see it in their character. Uh, there's only so much you can hide as a person. Uh, you can like you can genuinely see the difference between like a Nixon and an Obama or or Kennedy. Or, or even up here in Canada, you can get it, kind of get a bit of a vibe of like we have our own gates up here as well. They don't, they're not really comparable to uh, necessarily the gates we get in in in, in, in the states. Maybe not enough to make a feature film, or or maybe yeah. it is. But speaking of feature film, I did get that feature film vibe from this that we didn't get from Special Relationship. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I thought the same. I had the same kind of note. It yeah. just feels bigger, even though it's it's not too dissimilar. In yeah. Terms of- and even the structure and, and content, even like the voice of the producer uh, of in that played the producer in the movie, which I felt mm-hmm. was another solid performance. Uh, uh, it was just a very deep voice. It was just yeah, I don't know if it was just the equipment they were using or just his voice, but it was very very deep, very uh, very bass, very bassy. So you can really felt like that's like oh, it's Howard, right? It's Ron Howard. He doesn't you know he doesn't mind spending a few bucks on a film. But I think they. Well, it's a big, it's a universal movie. Like it's, a, yeah. it's, a, yeah, it's like a real, real production for sure. Yeah. So I def- definitely felt that vibe, and I think it, no matter what you say, it it makes a difference in in, in film quality, and and it's it helps uh, being uh, entertained more with uh, with that umph. Uh, but that all all that aside, Phil, uh, you know, let's 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 get into the movie, I guess. Uh, uh, to um, since we spent time kind of talking around the politics and, and Nixon and stuff because we're dealing with with real people here, so there's really that little bit extra uh, conversation to have dealing with with real events. But let's get into uh, the film itself uh, and how it starts off. So let's get let's get the ball rolling. You get it rolling, buddy. What I love what I love about the intro of it, and I think you're right. I think anytime you're trying to deal with a, 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 a you know based on a true story, and 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 again, I, I always hesitate to use those. Oh, it's real because <laughs> based on true events, any dramatization is not yeah. right. Like so, at the end of the day, everything is changed. You know, on some level, you try and find the essence of things. You try to build from it. So while we have the real, actual footage of the interview for posterity to sort of double check, you know, the the performances within those scenes, everything before, after, and uh, is a potential fabrication on some level. You know, you consolidate characters and so forth. Yeah, but like what I found interesting. Sorry, I'll just say, do you actually say, ask him about fornicating before the interview? Is that real? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's entertaining. So yeah. things like that, we don't know, right? But 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 I, I do believe that there's probably some truth to that. You know that the David Frost was on the set uh, at some level, so I think there was probably some okay. creative license. But I think it's got some level of uh, yeah, of, yeah. of uh, accuracy and so forth. But one of the things I really liked about the the movie, particularly the intro, is it's as we talked about it, it kind of threads the needle, I thought, between all the president's men and 2008, you know, 76 and 2008, where you get, because since then, right, more tapes have been released, because President's Men ends with his inauguration Yes, not his uh, on the screen, yes. right? And then just sort of talks about how he resigned in the, in the typing, but doesn't really get into any of the particulars, right? And at the time the movie was made, a lot of those tapes hadn't been made public. You know, some of the, the video footage hadn't been dis- disclosed. So it's now 30 years later. And now the stuff has kind of started to come out a little bit more. So they had, I thought they took advantage of 
some of those tapes and using you know and it's Nixon's this is again actual true stuff talking about like the income taxes and the investigations and you know wanting to hang uh, Teddy Kennedy's operation you know and 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 obviously all the Watergate stuff leading up until the the resignation speech so I what I liked about it was it kind of gave us the post credits almost to all the president's men mm-hmm. so that if, you know, if, even if you don't really know Nixon or like the story of Watergate, there is a fairly short, pretty succinct way to get you into what we're talking about, you know. And I, I, so I thought that was really effective. I thought it was a really smart choice to to, to do that. Yeah, and, well, you can uh, watch these movies back again. And back, we talked about it, you know, sort of a little bit. I feel like they're really kind of a bookend. You know, obviously they're very different in in, in style mm-hmm. and in tone. But I do think, and you thought, I thought you brought up an interesting point when you're comparing. The two were sort of like two different mediums. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the journalistic, uh, written, typed word. You know, that kind of brought him down, and the sort of advent and the and the in the more caustic approach here with the te- with television, and particularly Nixon's relationship with television, which I I do like that they touched on it uh, a little later on. So anyway, all in all, I was, I was really impressed by, by the the way in which they put this together so effortlessly, and what feels like. I think 10 maybe minutes or so maybe a little less to really kind of hook you into what what the catch you up let's say mm-hmm. onto what the character's been up to and stuff like that yep. including so i thought that was really good and then obviously opening with 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 uh with the interviews you know with, with uh, sam rockwell and, and oliver platt who i think are just two fantastic actors uh they're they're two people that uh, every time they show up on screen i'm i'm always pleasantly uh happy yeah you know, I'm, I'm very pleased by it. yeah i would agree I, I haven't seen platt in a lot of things but i, I feel like every time i see him I'm like oh, i love this guy <laughs> i don't know it's something yeah. he's funny he's witty and he brings that to his character and uh, he's, he's smart and, and and fantastic and rockwell i haven't seen many many films with him uh, but yeah I, he generally provides a, a solid performance in, mo- in most of his stuff absolutely yeah yeah, I always like him. I mean, even in the the, the remake to Poltergeist, which was a <laughs> yeah. an absolute uh, abomination. Yeah, Four point four, I believe, on IMDb, but uh, <laughs> terrible. But other than that, uh, uh, we won't hold that against uh, him. He's great. We won't hold that against exactly, him. exactly. Everyone needs a paycheck. Everyone, yeah, so everyone well, gets so. a free, one free pass. Uh, other than Bruce Willis, who gets twenty free passes, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So I like that. I, I kind of thought. The setup, because we all, to some extent, I think the movie presupposes and certainly does in that in that little bit, kind of give us the Cole's notes on Nixon in the last, you know, again, the sort of four or five years since his resignation to the yeah, with his little hospital spell and then the pardon and uh, yeah, exactly, kind of gives you that summary, right? What I think that's interesting because we all kind of know Nixon to some extent, I think, whereas nobody knows Frost at all, or at least you know, in my experience. So I, I kind of thought. You had to spend more time with him, and I, yeah. I like that they kind of do that yeah. by sort of setting him up as this sort of TV loser on some level, or really kind of a success, I guess, but a little yeah. bit of a himself down on his luck kind of dude. Like, yeah, like as, as his love interest says, you seem like a sad guy, and he, he sort of yes. he sort of acknowledges that and agrees without saying like, "Yes, I am." He changes the subject, yeah. and I, I like that that chemistry that that uh, with those two is, is something I sort of missed the first time. And when I watched it the second time, mm-hmm. it really connected some more dots to his character that were quite important uh, for the film, really, uh, to understand him more as, as a person. Uh, he, he liked the fame. Uh, 
you know, he liked being in the spotlight, but he had this yeah. part of them that wanted to do something really big and obviously a bit of a risk taker and trying to figure out what's driving him to do this. Why a little bit, uh, you know, not necessarily arrogant, but uh, a little bit, I'd say a little bit, yeah, a little <laughs> bit. But at the same time, I don't know, very charismatic at the same time. Just just the, even the way he says beans, peas and lamb. I'm like, oh, that's that's just you said that really well. I don't know what it is, but the, the way you order your food is just very charming. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I liked his introduction and uh, his his repertoire with his producer and, and his intrigue in, in doing Nixon. I do want to ask you a question, though, because this, I think, happened pretty early on in the film, is when he's watching the TV and Nixon's getting, yeah. getting on the plane. And then yeah. Nixon has this this look. Now, I'm thinking he's he's actually, that's not actually happening. He's just seeing that because uh, it was a weird look. Yeah. What are your thoughts in around that? I thought that was that was weird, weirdly interesting. I, yeah, I think that's the dramatic license right so the idea i think the idea of that shot is to say nixon's got more to say yeah. or he's got something, something. haunting him mm-hmm. right whereas if you watch the real footage he doesn't he isn't yeah they, they obviously <laughs> don't they don't zoom in they don't have that moment right he's just at the base of the helicopter doing his yeah peace signs and he gets in right so it's yeah. again it's a creative license and i think I like it, it does sort of indicate uh, there's more here there's something here you know and uh, i kind of like how that's tied into yeah. frost's sort of approach where he's like ah Let's dig in here, you know. Yeah. I, I respect yeah. that. I, really like I thought it was a nice touch. It was a good look because it's funny. Ironically, at the end, it was when they talk about it, too, and they show us it's all about that look. Uh, yeah. You know, and uh, the zoom in on the camera during the interview was quite telling as we see, of course, towards to the end. Now, do you have a perspiration issue, Philip? Do you, are you, do you, have, are you sweating now? <laughs> <laughs> What's your... I, I do not have a perspiration issue, and I think that's a story I heard years and years ago, and I thought, well, that's fascinating. The idea that Nixon technically would have what was considered to be the winner of the 1960 presidential debate, but for the fact that so if you listen to it on the radio, he won. And if you watch it on television, he did not because he was skittish and his eyes darted around and he was clearly uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and he was sweating profusely. And his opponent was John Kennedy, who's, you know, this sort of beautiful man, well Mm -hmm. poised, well spoken and so forth. Uh, So that I'd heard years and years ago as a real interesting kind of counterpoint to some of the reasons why Nixon was sort of as, as embittered in, in some ways as he was, you know, mm-hmm. was like and jealous and angry and sort of frustrated and annoyed by the whole process because I think mm-hmm. he thought he probably deserved to win that. Angry enough to kill and, him, I wonder. Interesting. Down yeah, that's a whole other movie, I suspect. <laughs> <laughs> Who was that second? Uh, but yeah, I personally season. luckily don't have a perspiration problem. Okay, but, that's good. You know. Well, thanks for clearing for that for our... our, our our listeners. Uh, <laughs> so what, uh, after that, so the, they, they set up the characters uh, pretty nicely, I, I felt, with the interviews and then, of course, with, with a little bit of Nixon. And, and like you mentioned, a little bit more of Frost just to get the, um, uh, the, the people watching the movie, uh, the viewers, uh, is a good word to use. Yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of familiar, <laughs> kind of familiar with Mr. Frost being just obviously being an American film, but being a British, uh, British fella. Uh, I think British, right? Because he, he had an Australian show yes. as well. So he's yeah, he's a British, British, British personality who worked in Australia. Okay, yeah. You know, he'd work anywhere just to get, just to get, you know, whatever on television and so forth. Yeah, but you can tell like he's doing these shows that are a little like the kitschy. Ex- you know, he's not really escape the the guy who's trying to all exactly. chained up and escape. But those are always entertaining. Uh, well, that's the thing. He's a you know they kind of call him out on it, which again I really like the setup of this movie where it's sort of like it's it's the rise. It's a little bit of this sort of meek. They've set him up as a meek, 
quiet, irrelevant talk show host. Mm-hmm. You know, that someone has no no backbone, no political ambitions. You know, Oliver Platt kind of calls him out. Like, who would have thought that Nixon's sort of moment of truth, as it were, would come from somebody that had no political leanings and no real interest in anything other than ratings and yeah. television. Yeah. You know, I had no real vested interest in. Like, Sam Rockwell, what I love about that character is he's like the, you know, the piss and vinegar guy. You know, that's just like, we got to take him down. You know, it's a travesty. It's bullshit. I got to, you know, I want to be the guy that, 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 watches him fall and see him apologize because yeah. I got angrier and angrier, right? So he kind of covers the the ground of, like, the crusader. And I think he's just phenomenal in it. You know, I, I think he plays that role so, so, so well. Generally, uh, agree, and, yeah. Yeah. Now, and Platt, Platt is obviously a little bit more even-headed. Even-keeled, if you will. Yeah. But the reality is that, you know, Frost is presented as this somebody that's just like, I just want to make some money, like, you know, in general. And if I end up doing this thing, you know, and that's I think that's the beauty of the structure of, of Morgan's script is that I don't know that that's real. I don't know if that's like the true story of David Frost. But I will say that in terms of characterization and building a structure of a movie and having a place to go from a character perspective, it's brilliant. You know, have him the sort of mm-hmm. David and Goliath vibe, you know, kind of throughout. And I really like that. And I think this is where Sheen really gets to shine because in these early stages... He's so kind of vacuous. You know, he's presented like such a playboy and, uh, you know, again, just like a ego to some extent. He likes the parties. He's kind of, you know, yeah. flirting with the woman on the plane. He's really just like a schmoozer. And low level his schmoozer. growth throughout the movie is really set up. Like when you see a character like that, we've seen people do it bigger. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Uh, but but still, nonetheless, he, he likes, you know, the, the light, the, the limelight. What was interesting about Rockwell's character is I did like how that was set up. If you talk about when they first kind of get together, they, the, the, yeah. the crew, if you will, and uh, the producer says, no, you don't want this guy. He's going to be annoying and, and troublesome. And I like just the it's the line where he, he um, what's his name, uh, Frost. Uh, yeah, wants, Michael Sheen. Yeah, Michael Sheen uh, plays the, a guy named uh, David Frost, for those who don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, those just tuning in. And he, he sort of, uh, and uh, Rockwell's character leaves leaves the room briefly, and they're talking. And he wants to keep him, and he says, I, I, I've been told I should get out of my comfort zone. And what I yes. what I got from that is I feel like his love interest, her influence on him is what almost grounds him a little bit. And, and it's almost like pulling him away from being that arrogant party fella. Now, I don't know if I'm again, I don't know if this is too much of a of the week of a weekly dig here. But I, I felt that's 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 she he said that because of her. Uh, getting out of the comfort zone. That's just the maybe it's because my wife keeps telling me to get out of my comfort zone, so it could be something <laughs> as simple. <laughs> You're just hearing it all the time yeah, in your ear. <laughs> so it could be something as simple <laughs> as that. But uh, with that scene, I love what Rockwell does with that. I, I wish there's one thing I did wish with this movie that he had stuck to his guns a little bit more consistently throughout the movie. He he does this at the beginning and a little bit towards the end and, and sporadically throughout. But there's a couple moments where I felt like he didn't push hard enough. To get what he wanted, uh, just as an example, yeah. the uh, I want to go to New York. I think it was New York, if I'm not mistaken, uh, for or somewhere for Washington, maybe, but for the week to get some information. Yes. I think on Colson. I think, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, Frost basically shuts him down. He's like, no, we need you here. And now, no, I don't want you to do that. I got the, everything. Everything is good. Don't worry about it. And he didn't really put up much yeah. of a fight. Uh, at that point, and I was a little disappointed where the, the, he just didn't stick with that because he came on really strong. 
at the sure. at the beginning of the first time where they get together. I think, oh yeah, this is gonna be there's gonna be some friction here, and I like what they're doing with this. So I just that you know I just felt they could have you know stuck with that. Yeah, I think system. that's less of a character thing and more of a story thing because you have that's the smoking gun that ends up yeah putting frost in the place right so it's like if he does that and they let yeah. him go i recognize two that. weeks earlier yeah. you know so so i get that i get the that the character is kind of betrayed a little bit mm-hmm. like to your point like there's there's maybe something missing where That's he's not betrayed yeah <laughs> but but it's like for story reasons you kind of had to hold it off but i get it i i think for me i, I what i liked is the is the real anger and rage and and i'm gonna you know punch nixon in the face and then shake his hand. Nixon walks in and he shakes his hand because <laughs> yeah, that was good. I like that. There's the recognition that even in all the anger, this is the thing we're talking He's about, right? President. Even in all the anger and even in right. all the stuff, it's still the president, right? There's still a level of respect that kind of comes with the office, even if you're a monster. So, yeah. uh, and I like that that scene kind of touches on it, which is is really kind of good. Absolutely. And what do we what do we have anything else in there? That's kind of a big scene. Them getting all getting together and and uh, no, I kind of like the way that they put all that stuff. They, we don't spend a ton of time with Nixon, and, and and when we do, he's sort of he's with uh, Jack, you know, Kevin, uh, Kevin Bacon's yeah. character, yeah. and he, he's got a couple of great lines, yes. you know, but he doesn't really kind of become. He's you know joking about like you know you never know when you're getting taped and yeah. and things like that. But but at the end of the day, it's really about. Nixon's like the known entity, right? Mm-hmm. And so the story really is how Frost and his team get to him. So yeah. I like that. And those scenes when they're getting together in their hospital or in the hotel, sorry, and they're trying to put it together and they're coming up with some stuff, you know, I think it's really wonderful. And Rockwell plays all that. What I like is the is the is the ability to galvanize a team, right? These are great. The similar with with all the president's men, right? You kind of have this moment where these two people have to kind of work together to do this thing and the investigation and all the legwork and all the stuff. And I like that we get this beautiful little montage of the prep kind of piecing it yeah. together and putting putting all that stuff. I really am impressed by it and like trying to get to the structure of it and start all those things I think is really, really great filmmaking. Again, not, Ron Howard, not an actor, not a director that I really love, but you get that stuff and you get Nixon, you know, talking about how it's a duel, you know, and like... Mm-hmm. The, the preparing for battle, all the sort of metaphors to say like he is the 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 genius, let's say the political genius, the ability to manipulate and kind of control this, this situation. And Frost is this, and this team are like a ragtag bunch of you know television people trying to make it good, you know. And as I said, I, I thought from a from a structure and a perspective, I thought it was really wonderful. I, I really loved everything about it. And you know, I love a montage. You, I think I made that very clear over the years. Yeah, I, I, I and yes, and I, and I, and I respect it. I, I do like a montage. The only time I, 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 I struggle, and it's not really necessarily a montage. It's, it's something. It's, it's, it's manipulating time. And I feel, yes. I, I feel often directors struggle to show the struggle, uh, and the time consumption in sort of uh, in some scenarios. And I'm, I'm more referring to a little bit later in the movie. After the the phone conversation, I don't want to jump jump too far ahead, uh, but I will because I am and <laughs> please, <laughs> and we'll loop back. But yeah, once Frost really wants to sink his teeth into it, he's starting to do his research. Then he sends Sam Rockwell, of course, to do what he wanted yep. to do initially. What would have taken a week has now taken just a, a, a day, and that's what it feels like to me. Like they were able to. I mean, here we have there originally months and months and months of investigation, going through the tapes, 
there's so much to go through. They got the FBI, the, all sorts of stuff. But David Frost seems to be able to go through it. What felt to me, I'm not saying it is, but felt to me in one night. And I, I just feel that's a, a something that is hard to do. I'm not saying it's an easy feat. Uh, I think there's a, a few movies that we we noticed, like uh, Blood Diamond. I'll throw out as an example that we talked about a few weeks ago. How we show how the to, the child's shoulder, uh, sorry, the child child soldiers, uh, how they changed and over, and how the, that would take a little bit of time. But how they filmed it and how they portrayed it to us, it really made us, uh, you know, believe it. And uh, I thought they did a really good job. Where this movie, I, I didn't really, you know, click. And it's like, oh, well, that that's going to take some time. And maybe again, maybe they did have that time where there's weeks between interviews. And, and so I, I didn't get that sense. And I thought that was just a, a bit of a cheat. Uh, that whole that part. That's that's. I don't know if you had the same feeling or or you want to. You know, uh, no, I don't tend. To, I don't tend to think about things like that when I'm watching no, the movie. So I do. So I, I don't like whether it takes <laughs> a minute or it takes you know an hour or whatever else. Unless it affects the flow of the movie, it doesn't stick out. So this is like uh, you know he went and did all the research. Maybe he did it faster. Maybe he didn't. Like you know th- those things don't really. I just want to see the care. grind. <laughs> I, w- I want to see the struggle. I want to see the grind. Nothing. These yeah, that's fair. Don't come I mean, easy, I get right. It looked like it just came easy. Well, it doesn't come easy. You really have to put your work into it. Therefore, I think it kind of hurts a bit of a payoff, uh, you know, for work, for all that struggle you would have to go through to have that day three interview. Uh, I just, for me anyway, it didn't pay off as much because I didn't really see him struggle to really, oh, 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 you want to go? Like, okay, well, I got to win this. Okay, well, I'll just, I'll do basically just listen to some tapes and I also, I'm going to be the better person. I'm going to win this debate, if you will. And I thought uh, a little uh-huh. bit, a little bit weak for me. Uh, to what they're trying to sell to, to the to the audience. Uh, that's uh, sure. my thoughts around that. But that's really, I mean, for a movie, I, I think as I think we both agree the structure. As I think we have to give a lot of credit. I guess it's Morgan. It must be Morgan. He's just great at structure. Which I think we already yeah, said yeah. he's a playwright and screenwriter. I, I suppose it comes with some of that territory. You know, you're, you're yeah, you're about same character creating that. Same actors played the the, the stage play from what I understood. Yeah. I think that's what helps make this movie the performance is so 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 tight and so strong yeah. is that they did it for years on stage and then translate it to the screen. It's often the case where you recast in an effort to like go with the big big names or what have you. So yeah, uh, it's impressive to me that they, these guys were the same, and I think that's why yeah, those performances well. are so solid. Yeah, absolutely. There's in this movie throughout. I think there's though there's some per, some characters actors that didn't really have a lot to do. There's we talk about that every week. There's always going to be an under, under use of characters, but I felt like there's no weak link in this movie, in my opinion. Not, no, not even Clint Howard. I think he just gave it all. You know, poor yeah, poor, left it all on the table. <laughs> heart and soul do it. <laughs> I joke. I love seeing Clint yeah. Howard. I really do. But um, absolutely. So, but that anyway. That's that, if I was to uh, to um, what's the word I'm looking for. That's my looking for. If I was to, it's your nitpick. Yeah, nitpick. <laughs> but I was going to use a more sophisticated word. Uh, criticize. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. The, the movie that would <laughs> dug deep for that one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely to get the thesaurus out. But and then uh, the reason I bring it up now is because I was just talking about how Sam Rockwell, as you said, sort of betrayed the character for this payoff later, and and I get it, but I just I didn't feel like well that I, the payoff was good enough for me to. To do to do the portrayal in the first place, so that's really my yeah, only, okay. my, my biggest uh, biggest and probably only real 
criticism of the movie, Philip. I don't know if anything you said you hadn't watched the film for seven, eight years and you really enjoyed this view. Uh, yeah, is at, at the point we are at least up to the point where, where we are at the movie, which is basically just getting to the interviews. Is you have any, mm-hmm. any criticisms that you that can pop out, or you're just you're you're just right in it. You're loving every minute. No, of I'm it. just right in it, lover boy. I'm really just eating it up. There wasn't anything that really stuck out as being something that that was you know worth, uh, for lack of a better term, worth the criticism because I, I didn't feel any of those. I felt like it's really tightly put together, mm-hmm. as I said, so it didn't drag, it didn't feel too long. I didn't feel any of the, like you said, the betrayal of a, of a character. Uh, I just bought it. I'm like, yeah, this is this is right. You know, this is how it goes. So again, I'm not, you know, there are movies certainly where you watch with a critical eye and this one I watched with a critical eye, but I didn't find much to criticize. So yeah, there's, um, that was I was kind of right with it. Yeah. I really liked everything that was kind of happening and the structure of it kept it moving, as I said. So as we're gearing up for the interview, I'm like, I'm right in it. I'm right with it. You know, I think like, yeah, absolutely. This is great. Yeah. And it's flowing. they, when I, when like that one moment where he doesn't push to go away, Frost is the guy that has to agree to let him go. So Ultimately, it's like his show. He's getting paid by this. By this, you know, he's an employee, mm-hmm. right? So, what I like is that even though they may not, he may not have pushed to fly to Washington to go to the archives and do the thing. Um, he is still in the first interview, pushing back and fighting and kind of chirping from the from the sidelines, saying like, you know, you got to dig in. This is bullshit. You know, you got to push him back. You got to mm-hmm. fight. What is? What are we even doing here? Yeah. So he's frustrated and angered by the process. So right, again, so. none of that stuck out as being. Uh, antithetical to the character's sort of structure, it felt like this is this is the arc. You know, this is this is how it goes. Yeah. So I, I'm right in it. What I love is 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 Bacon, who in this one moment where he's kind of arguing, this is right after, sorry, right before the first day of the interviews, and he's having this conversation with uh, Frost around, you know, the we're trying to defend Nixon. You know, sixty percent of the time, sixty thirty and great 10. president. Why did, why did he leave ten yeah. percent on the table? I mean, it, it, it was a great line. <laughs> I mean, it sets up the Frost line. Well, what about ten percent? Yes. Yeah, that was a good. That was a conversation about trying to make anything negative. Uh, it qualifies as it's Watergate, and you only get twenty five percent Watergate. So twenty only twenty five percent of the interview can be negative and make him look bad, and then seventy five percent makes him look good. Nice try, Kevin. Exactly. Nice try. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, there's no way that's gonna happen. But that was, that was a funny scene. Everything negative goes under Watergate. Yeah, it's just great. <laughs> and so yeah, the, the line of saying like sixty percent of the time he was, he was a great president, thirty percent of the time he's like he did bad <laughs> things, but he thought they were right, and then ten ten percent he's doing bad things and knowing they were bad things. Yeah. So. I think it's a great line. It's a great written line, but it's performed with such, you know, I think for, for, with Bacon, he's just oh, such yeah. a, a great delivery. Now, do you think, uh, I loved do it. you think um, Kevin uh, Bacon's character, do you think he just isn't very good at math or he left that 10% on the table on purpose? Uh, where he sh- well, I think it. someone wrote wrote it okay. wrote it for him right. to leave it on right. purpose. So That's six, pretty much 60-40 uh, <laughs> would have been the way to go, but... Uh, that, yeah, that was yeah. good. That was good. I mean, I think when we talk about Kevin Bacon's character, he was an, he's an army guy. He was the I forget his specific uh, role, Secretary of uh, State. Not sure. Not, not sure. It's not important. But uh, you know, he not having a big role, he always felt like he had Nixon. He was always in Nixon's corner, and yeah, he, for sure. he almost wanted to, <clears throat> you know, turn the blind eye to anything negative about Nixon, like. And I thought that was an yeah. interesting character. As we didn't dive too deep in, into his character too much, but it was just enough to show there is someone in Nixon's corner. This isn't all everyone doesn't like Nixon. We're all trying to get Nixon. 
Nixon has obviously there's not just Kevin Bacon Kevin Bacon's character. He has his his room of people who are all excited when he gets his For sure. His, Diane Sawyer is yeah, one of them. He gets his victory. Ben Stein is another one. Yeah. Ben Stein. Yeah, yeah. Ben Stein. The the Ben Stein? Yeah. The Ben Stein oh, was wow. a Nixon speechwriter and is like so emotionally thinks he's the best president they ever had in the country. So it's not unheard of. Nixon is not like a monster to everybody. He's like now you have your party lines and you have people that will defend any behavior because it's what you do or you like somebody you don't want to believe that they're they're monsters yeah right yeah, so you're yeah, like well this is my best friend for 30 years i don't want to have to say he's an asshole so i'll just you know he's just my, he's just my friend i never knew him like that and, and that's um, it's funny because i mean even nixon mentioned something when he talks about holderman and those guys like i known him these guys for 30 years like during the interview yeah these are my friends i'm not going to just call the you know <laughs> home in prison uh yeah I think it's, that's a that's a funny thing but yeah exactly so you go along with it even though you're the one that's instructed them to do it so again, it's more lies. It's just lying. It's, it's, all it's lies. just you know, Haldeman and Erdman. They're the finest people I've ever known. <laughs> they're all dirty people, and he was the ringleader to the whole thing. Yeah. So I don't think he had a chance to do it. But I mean, it's again, you can't have, in my estimation, if you're making a movie, you can't have a completely unsympathetic character. You have to have a reason to care one way or the other. So if it's just Nixon alone on an island. It's a pretty boring movie, right? You want to have somebody around that's like standing up for him or whatever. And he had those people because it's 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 again, it's what you do. You know, yeah. he's the former president. Yeah, people a, people love that. He's still in a place of power, right? As well. Yeah. And so Bacon, I thought, just played that really well because he knows what he's saying is true, but also knows that he's probably on the, you know, maybe doesn't know it, but he feels maybe at the at some point that he's on the wrong side of history on it. Yeah. Know? Yeah, he seems like a little, na- little naive to to not really. I don't know. He's a very interesting character, and I like how how, how he played it, where he it wasn't j- just playing uh, like a Nixon henchman, sort of, where, yeah. where he's just a bad guy. He sincerely believes he's not a <laughs> not terrible president, and uh, the verdict's, yes. verdicts out for me. I haven't decided yet, but uh, uh, we get to the. Uh, I guess we're pretty much at the point where they they sit down and they've met each other and they they sit down for the. The first interview, unless there's something else like yep. that comes up before no, that. No, that's but it. I guess where it's we're day at. Day one. And what I, I will just come out and say what I do like about it when you look at interview one, two, and three, you really see the a transformation. I like to use that word a lot because it's a good word of mm-hmm. of Frost's approach, uh, of course, from what ha- the first interview to the second, and and to the third. And I really and I think we forget or, or, or could forget that. He is a human, David Frost, for those who don't know, is a human. <laughs> and uh, he's sitting down with a with a president of the United States of America. And as as arrogant as he is and confident as he is, I think there's like, oh my god, this is the president of the United States. This is huge. He's nervous. You know, he's yeah, he doesn't know exactly how to approach it, doesn't know what to expect to a certain degree, and I think maybe they underestimated, I think maybe, uh, the Nixon's team. Uh, I think on both both sides, there was some underestimation, overestimation. You know, as you say, it's like a battle between these two, right? Uh, no holds barred. I, yeah. I think was mentioned. That's right. Couple, Nixon kept repeating over and over. Yeah. No holds barred. Yeah, yeah. He, he like he wanted this the, this thing, which is quite interesting, as we can get to towards after that phone call we get to. But I think they did a good job, in my opinion, of showing that where it starts off of a little bit of Nixon intimidating intimidation tactics you know about the where's the money coming from like uh, you know like he's having to spend his yeah, own money sure. to, to budget the whole to finance the whole thing 
so I think they made it very clear of we starting off Nixon on the off the on the offensive uh, and kind of taking the str- a bit of a stranglehold on the interviews uh, to start off, and I think that's portrayed well. And then you have you know Frost's team, uh, you know Platt and and Rockwell and, and the producer, of course. He's just getting so frustrated. Like, what are you, what are you doing here? You're you're letting this guy babble on, and you're not cutting him off. You're not you're not owning the interview, right? There's there's a there's a power struggle, and I I thought it was really good uh, uh, the showing uh, how they start off this power struggle. I haven't seen the interviews, Phil. Like, I haven't seen the actual footage. I am curious to see it, and I, I will probably take a look at it in the next probably week or so. Uh, and it's a lot. I mean, it's pretty time consuming, but uh, within the night, so I'll check it out. Now you. You mentioned you had seen them or have seen all of, yeah. all of it. How recent was that? Oh, in 2008. Yeah, it was 2008. Okay. So. But one of the benefits, one of the one of the special features on the Blu-ray here is a side-by-side of some oh, key moments in the interviews. Okay. Um, so it, that stuff is all very accurate. Okay. It might be worth just put on the shelf uh, just to have the the uh, the Blu-ray extras. It's they're really good special features. They've got a, a commentary track with uh, Ron Howard, of course. They've got like a making of doc, and one of the things they've got like the Nixon archives or something is a special feature. And it runs throughout the movie. There's a little picture in picture, mm-hmm. and it'll pop up key information. And one uh, near the end when they're doing the interviews, they do these sort of split screen mm-hmm. bits and pieces. You can choose the interview audio or the movie audio. Uh, but all that stuff is is very well 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 put together and very accurate Interesting. in the in the presentation. Yeah. Now, what did it's you, a fascinating situation. What did you, now? What did you take away from the first interview? What's uh, what's going on in your mind at this point? Again, it's the structure of the movie, right? So they've set it up that this guy is sort of on his on his heels. He's trying to find the money. They don't have the syndication. They don't know what's going to happen. He's an an untested uh, interviewer, right? They've spent the last hour of the movie or forty five minutes of the movie building up this character as being less than. So to me, it's just like, again, it's part of what you do with that type of character is now they're, they're, they're sort of batting heads. And I loved it. You know, again, you're showing Nixon. He's sort of he's pontificating. He's going on and on. And again, and you've got now you've got Frost kind of strugg- struggling, as it were, to kind of stay on his heels. Now, that stuff, you know, the certain level of. You know, the Watergate stuff is what does the, the A and B comparison. And that's the interview I watched more mm-hmm. in 2008. But it's the, it's the you know, I don't know that it was so bad as, they have, as they're portraying it in the movie. It's like so ineffective, I mean. But it's again, you're telling a movie. This is why it's based on a true story. It's not the identical thing. If you want mm-hmm. the interviews, go watch the interviews, yeah. right? So yeah. for me, this is how it goes. You're watching Sheen in a performance that really says... Oh shit! I'm outmatched, mm-hmm. and you've got the Nixon team laughing their butts off in the back because, <laughs> yeah. you know, because they know that he's just taking taking advantage on them, right? Yeah. Taking from for a walk, you know, he's wasted an hour yeah. of a two hour interview on one subject, right? Now I did like how they portray this like knockout punch. Or, uh, why didn't you burn the tapes? As being their like yeah. big off putting mm-hmm. first opening salvo. And I like that Nixon just fucks with them the whole time. Yeah. And you know, and, and you're like, oh well, this is this is great, like a great opportunity because you, again, you're setting up the the antagonist, you know, with all the power and stuff like that. So again, from a structured perspective, I just thought it was really wonderful. And you've got Bacon doing the interview or something like that. I believe it's the interview one on one where he talks about how like Nixon's this great boxer and like you know when you're when you're yeah. kind of punching out of your league and stuff. And it, it, all of that is visible in the first in the first thing, which is again is what makes it so compelling to me is. Is you you're building an arc, you know, and, and and Ron Howard isn't always the greatest at this, but clearly Peter Morgan is. Where you're 
you're you're building to something. Yeah. And uh, and 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 it's it's a, so I love the first day. I thought it was really great that that they kind of really give it to him. Yeah. And how frustrated everybody else is after. I love, you know, Rockwell just like furious, yeah. you know, and 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 Platt too. Like, what do we do? What are we even doing here? Right. I, I like all that stuff too. The inner. Yeah. Trouble. And I think Frost has also got that preoccupation of trying to get the funds right. That's why he's just mm-hmm. yes. I know it wasn't great. Yeah, let's skip all this. I gotta you know run around the. the I gotta go meet the weed eater. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's like a, is that dog like later it's like dog food company. Oh, we still got the dog food company. Yeah. Uh, so that, yeah, that was so again. It does a really good job of setting that up to me. I really like. Yeah, that. absolutely. And then he has like a nice. This producer has a nice pep uh, pep talk with him, trying to, you know, he listens to his producer. Right, they're they're friends and they respect each other yes. and. Uh, you know, it, it, coming from him is a little bit different, than, obviously, than coming from the other characters. So, coming from his producer, longtime friend, and he's like, "You got to do this. You got to lean in. You got to, you got to cut him off." You yeah. Gotta, so that's a, that was a good scene, and I like. Again, when we have the second interview, you see that, but it's still not necessarily clearly, yeah. which is funny because it goes better than the first one, and Frost says it goes better, and he's not wrong. But the other guys are still frustrated. Uh, yeah. With that, with everything. So I, I again, I like how they went from the, from the first, uh, the first day, day one interviews to to the next day the footage for that we see from that and what they put in the movie. Uh, I like that. I like the the. the it still doesn't go great, but there's some improvement. Uh, what are your thoughts around uh, number two? Yeah, I thought the same. I thought again, you're building up to something. Obviously, you know, it's a little better, but everybody's kind of losing their patience with them, right? Because mm-hmm. they're. Yeah. You know, the big point of the movie really is Watergate right now. The point of the interviews, there's an argument that says it is Watergate as well, because nobody really cares about. I, I shouldn't say nobody, but like I think the belief at the time was that Watergate's the story. Watergate's mm-hmm. the money. It's yeah. it's why it's dedicated its own episode, you know, foreign uh, foreign policy, domestic policy. Like those are things. But excuse me, it's all about Watergate. So. What I think, it, it just sort of sets that up, right? And I think it's great. I love how frustrated everybody is. And again, they sort of talk about how the banal anecdotes of, are just the type of thing that'll distract a talk show host. And how cutting that is because Frost yeah. is trying to be, I think he <laughs> wants to believe himself to be something more than what he is. He's already getting browbeaten by advertisers and networks. Nobody wants to work with them. And Rockwell calls him out and basically just says like, yeah, you're, you're like, you're a paperweight. You're nothing, mm-hmm. you know? And that's devastating to to Nick, to Frost, who I think is has an ego, obviously, and has, has an interest in sort of yeah, doing well. Wake up call, not like and, a wake up call, but a realization or of oh wait, you know maybe I'm not that great. <laughs> I don't know. To some extent, I think it kind of lurks in, or maybe he already struggles with that belief anyway. Yeah. You know, like it's like the I imposter syndrome, right? It's like yeah. I've been faking it, and now I'm getting called out on it. Yeah, I think, and. Yeah. That's a good point. This is like the biggest thing I've ever done, and I'm on the hook for a million dollars or whatever, and it's not going well, right? So I think all those things kind of coalesce into a, a pretty great scene. I really it, love and that. Sets up a, a good line with that Platt delivers when you know he's not just in it for his rep, uh, for with the money; it's his reputation. And then Platt's like, "Yeah, well, that's what about yeah reputation? Yeah, that's, yeah and we're not, and we're not. Yeah, that's a big. Uh, he was like something to do with the Washington Post. So uh, yeah, so they have a." Uh, uh, their reputations. Well, no one's taking well. it seriously, right? That's what they kind of call them out on, right? Yeah. Like nobody's taking this seriously. They can't get the advertising because there's no nobody believes in anything and certainly doesn't believe in Frost. And Platt's character is talking about how, like, he's like, I, I, I feel like I'm just going to be in the wilderness with all my Washington people. You know, I'm here to make a difference. I'm here to do the mm-hmm. thing. And it's so going so poorly that we're all going to walk away as embarrassments. 
and right? I, and so all of those things I think are really, really clever to me. Yeah, and then you get to the point where he's like, hey, guys, if you guys aren't on board, uh, if you if you don't think we can see this through, leave this yep. now. And they don't. Uh, and then he invites them out for, for, for dinner, drinks, what have you. For his birthday. For his birthday Yeah, party. which is just a great scene to show. That is, that's kind of sad. These are his friends. Yeah. And I thought that whole scene, although short and maybe part of the, the main point of the movie, I just thought it was really well done. A nice, nice touch to it. And they're, they're immediately, you know, before he says it's my birthday, they're like bashing, even though they, they, they're not leaving, right? They're like, they're in it. Yeah. They still are talking negatively about it. Like, they don't stop. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They don't believe in it. Right. Like they don't believe in him. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, it's my birthday. I just thought it was a really powerful scene. Yeah. It was really, really well done uh, for this birthday. Yeah, I thought it was itself. beautiful. I thought it was beautiful. And, the, the and it does get into his brain. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, from there, now we're watching him sort of struggle with the realities. He's got one more day, right? Like, again, it's just from a movie, you know, from an arc, you know, yeah. a, a plot structure. Yeah. This is his last chance. You know, he's got to leave it all on the field, which is why he starts to, he's a little distant at the at the dinner party yeah. and then ends up getting the call from Nixon. Yeah. That's, uh... Uh, this drunken phone call. And there's a couple of different allusions to drunk Nixon. They, they talk about it in Nixon, the movie. and. Mm-hmm. Some documentaries and stuff like that. Now, there's apparently no evidence that he made this call to Frost. This was a complete movie slash play contrivance. Interesting. But apparently, okay. it's not unheard of that he did make some that's what drunken I, phone calls in his. Yeah, I did a little bit of research, and that's what I got too. I didn't dig too deep. Uh, yeah, because I was kind of curious. But this one is apparently entirely made up. Okay, that's okay. That's but the principle good. is there. I yeah. think it's that same pugilistic. We're in this. It's a fight to the death, you know, kind of thing. And and yeah, and which he's alluded to all movie. game. I'll bring mine. He says, exactly. Yeah, it's not. This is not new. It's just amping it up for the final yeah. showdown. I think it's coming from exactly, and it's coming at the late stages, mm-hmm. and it's finally kind of putting things in perspective that, like, you know, uh, it's the showdown. You know, showdown at nine a.m. kind of thing. Yeah. And and I don't understand because what often happens is you just awake a giant. You know, uh, yes. like just, I mean, the movie's indicating that he might have made the call because he's under the influence, and had he not been, he may have of course. not made the call. We've, uh, I can certainly relate to that. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you just now, obviously, that just has Frost basically at a, I'm going to say a crossroad. He's either in it or he's not. If he's, he's got to go hard. He realizes who's, yep. who's he up against, and He's been challenged, and he realizes what's on the line and everything that has transpired up to this point with the other characters, and he goes all in. And then, of course, we get the the sequence of him really digging deep and trying to get to be prepared for for the final interview and, of course, sends uh, Rockwell's character to, uh, you know, get some more information on the whole Coulson thing and and what have you. And that really really sets it up. Uh, I mean, it's kind of a one-two-three we have obviously a, a few scenes when uh, in between where they're clearly frustrated. Uh, but once we get through the, the intro of the movie, when they set up the characters, they really just do interview one, interview two, the phone call, if you will, uh, yeah. As, yeah. which really sets up the, the third and final interview, which is interesting. Anything yeah, else? it's really the big yeah the big crescendo of the movie, I think. It really builds to this interview, right? It's trying to take all the tools. It's Frost's chance to sort of stand up and, and make a stance, as it were. It's, it's Rockwell's got his opportunity to kind of follow his lead, mm-hmm. to reveal these, these, you know, his, his tale uh, that he wanted to kind of get him on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love it. I think it's great. I think, it, again, it's just directed really, really well and, and written so well that by the time they get to that third 
day, you really know, I think, anyway, both characters. You know Nixon, you know where he's coming from, and you know Frost, where he's coming from. And as a result, you get really great, beautiful performances that does lead, on some level, to what they want, even though it's not exactly what they want, I think. Um, but that's when you get real you know, real peak performances. You get Nixon and his, again, when the president does it, it's not illegal. And Frost yeah. kind of pushing and, and, and begging him just to really say, like, you know, I think you want to apologize. Like, I think you want to say I'm sorry for all of this. Yeah, and you get and they do enough to give us that impression from Lang- Langella's performance that there's, Nixon wants to get, he doesn't, and, he, and with the interaction he has with, with, with Kevin Bacon when he interrupts the course. The, yes. And... You know that's an interesting. Like, I, I, he and doesn't want to live with the lie. I think there's. I mean, that's pretty normal to, to come a, to feel that Certainly. way. Certainly. Uh, I do want to ask you. Do you have a favorite line or a phrase that that um, Nixon said in this movie by Langella? Anything that stood out to you? Well, yeah. I mean, I think I remember it from the interview, which was the, the I'm saying what the president doesn't. It's not illegal. That's a scene, and that's a line that yeah, I think that's is my, that's my, my, chilling. Yeah, that, that was my number two. My number one was uh, uh, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a very good butcher. When he talks about cutting oh, off, oh sure, yeah, 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 cutting off the arm of, of Holderman and this guy, and I'm not a very good butcher. I'm like, oh, that's yeah. funny. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, uh, I just like. Yeah. They, I, I just remember I was like thinking of, of Days of Wine and Roses. Like that's just good. Good, good dialogue. Good, good, good writing. Yeah, good and writing. Fantastic. So I appreciate that, that aspect. Yeah, that's a great scene. That, that that whole day has got a bunch of really great stuff. Yeah, that's really. I mean, I mean, like a movie, it builds up to that, and it does a pretty good yeah. job of delivering it. And then, of course, when he's sort of more or less about to spill the beans, as it were, or not really spill the beans, but just confess. Obviously, uh, Kevin Bacon's character interrupts him and says, "You know, he's realizing. Ooh, <laughs> it's like." Make sure you know what you're you're doing. Is there anything that you other uh, that you want to take away from that scene? Uh, with uh... no, I mean, I like I like that it's there. I think you know, again, you're, you got Bacon trying to protect him. You've yeah, got this yeah. sort of you know trying to protect the essence. You know, I think what ends up happening in real life and in the movie is is you don't really get that real admission of you know. There's a lot of words, yeah. but he never says I'm sorry. He still is still guarded around the whole thing. Yeah. You know, he get they get the most out of him that anybody's ever gotten out of him, but I still don't think it's like enough. I don't know that Rockwell would be as happy with the final thing. Yeah. But I love the again, you're building this tension, right? Mm-hmm. Again, this is just great filmmaking mm-hmm. where you're ratcheting it up, you're building to this moment of sort of, as you said, honesty or like this sort of breaking point of Nixon and you gotta flap it down. You gotta stop it, you know, and, and Bacon comes comes breaks the riff and and I think it's a great scene of humility on Langella's version of Nixon and to try and calm it down and, and finally kind of the resignation of, of Nixon to kind of go like, yeah, we're good. Like, you know, like, a, like let's just let's just do it. Yeah. But he still kind of puts it on Frost. Like, what, what, what would you have me say? You know, what would you like me to say? Yeah. And this is obviously Frost's moment to a he kind of is not uh, not expecting it. Yeah. That's you know, he kind of takes it, puts his papers down you know and and really thinks like i think you have to apologize at the you know there's three things you know but one of the the big one was apologize and if you don't do it now i think you're gonna haunt it it's difficult you know any man you know especially you but i think you want to do it and and he didn't really do it i don't think you know nixon didn't ever say i'm sorry he just 
talked a lot about some of the stuff around it. And it's how, definitely how it made it, him again, feel. more than like how it made him feel. Yes. I have to live with it. like, yeah. you know, and he almost I'm like, I'm thinking as a viewer, like he's almost getting my sympathy. I feel bad for yeah. the guy. And that's that's a common play and a good play. Uh, and then but then you have and then I love how they're having the interviews and how the producer is jumping into the water and he's all excited. They, they feel like this is a big victory. But I didn't. Yeah. I didn't feel that, and they alluded to that. It's like this is, like Rockwell's character is like this is really a big victory. But even he concedes uh, as it being a big victory. I believe ultimately, yeah. he says at the end. But I, I, I don't quite feel it. it is, I think it is for the time. Yeah. Because again, it's the most anybody the most, ever yeah. got out of Nixon around yeah. Watergate. It's the closest he ever came to taking any any responsibility for mm-hmm. it. So that is, I think, the resonance of it, yeah. and. And, and yeah, so I agree in that, and you know, when I watched the movie or the interview story after the movie, I was sort of like, well, that doesn't feel like it's this big knockout punch. Mm-hmm. But in history, 50 years later, it's the only it's the only person that ever got in the ring, <laughs> you know, in some ways it, it, to keep the boxing metaphor alive. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I think it's relevance and it's important. I don't think it's necessarily the like I'm so sorry everybody I apologize and you know, like a crying 60 minutes interview you know but I do think it's important to recognize that he did accept a certain amount of I could have done better you know right? mm-hmm. which is probably more than what anybody else would have gotten from him so yeah uh, it's I think what makes that important yeah and I think they explain it well too they, uh, yes exactly like, yeah absolutely and you got the benefit of those talking heads kind of moments you've got opportunities for for plaid or, or rockwell to kind of tell the story post interview yeah you know and sort of, sort of what they accomplished and so yeah. forth you know because they don't talk about the ratings there's no like yeah yeah um, scenes for that yeah. right so yeah. anyway i i really thought that that was a really good ending i don't love so much with the shoes and the sort of looking out on the beach and stuff like that i didn't love that but i, I liked it nonetheless there's this like that now somehow frost has sort of met nixon at his level right like there's a now uh like they looked that. down on him when he first got there, yeah. and now he's more or less like kind of accepting him into that world. And I, I thought that was really, really, really good. I did. I liked the their, their last meeting. Frost goes to see him before he before he goes back to uh, to London, and they have a, a you know mm-hmm. pretty candid conversation uh, for the most part. You know, in his retired clothes again. Nixon, it's, there's some dialogue that indicates that he's just an everyday guy. You know, he's just uh, you know pretty normal guy but then the conversation he says how i should have been the interviewer and vice versa because no i don't like people they don't like me i yep. shouldn't be a politician that's right and that's really good stuff i thought that was a a good uh, good conversation between the two and the whole cheeseburger thing you know i thought was interesting uh, a good touch yes uh so i appreciated that i thought it was sort of a pretty good way to kind of wrap up the movie just have them to have one last conversation like you said uh, sort of on the same level, you know. He's he's now less of a president now. He's just retired and golfing. He's done what he's done. He's done his memoirs or is about to, and he's really just closing the book on that part of his life. And he just chilling at that point, I guess. So, and you know, actually, he continued to he made visits to China and Russia afterwards. Apparently, uh, just as yeah, a regular, as a citizen, as a citizen, yeah. So it's quite interesting. But I like that. Is there anything you want to add to to the sort of the the whole denouement of it all? Is there uh, you know anything you want to add? No, I, I thought you know I, I thought the movie does a really good job of sort of peeking at the interview, mm-hmm. and then everything else is really just like tying it up. Uh, but I didn't feel like it dragged on. I didn't find like it was any like kind of useless information. I didn't feel yeah. like it was sort of yeah. uh, anything overindulgent. You know, I thought really, really kind of a a perfectly 
structured uh, movie. Mm-hmm. You know, while the movie itself, I wouldn't put in the pantheon of like the great movies I've ever seen. I really like it. I find it very entertaining and enjoyable. And even though, as I said, we know the ending, um, I find the performances and the structure of it to be compelling and, and interesting. And again, it's it's just, he's a character that is forever uh, fascinating to me. And uh, as long as they keep kind of making movies about him, I'll, I'll keep watching him because he's, he's quite an enigma at times. So it's happily going back on my shelf. I, I really like it. Uh, I really appreciated it. I thought it's a nice little bookend to All the President's Men. Uh, it's, again, timely, and uh, I, I really enjoyed the watch. Your thoughts on the matter, and uh, what have you got for us uh, next week, kind sir? I think when I'm thinking about this movie, I think about a lemon, and I think about a way that when you take a subject like this, and it's a, a movie... Not a Jack Lemon, are <laughs> No, 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 just... No, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Different. to take this subject matter and make it into a feature film, they took a lemon and they squeezed every little bit of juice out of this lemon I think they could have. I don't really think they left anything uh, on the table with with the subject matter. Uh, and again, as I said in the beginning, it's a bit of a challenge to make a movie like this interesting and entertaining because ultimately that's what we want to be. It boils down to are we entertained? Is this enter- uh, you know fun to watch? And I, like you said, it's not my favorite movie. I don't know if I'll watch it again. I, I'm, I, I almost feel like we've done a lot of Nixon. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much ready just to close the the file on it i think i will likely visit the real interview or at least the sure, yeah. the uh watergate aspect of it uh but i feel like i've got my my fill and i feel like because uh, again like you mentioned it's everything uh, he's a well-known uh you know a lot of things since have been compared to him or he, he still has a, po- a place in history that's relevant to today uh, on some levels uh so I thought it's, it's definitely an interesting watch, uh, and I appreciate you uh, taking off your shelf. I think uh, uh, it's certainly uh, a fun movie to sort of discuss. And, I, again, I really like the performances of it. So I think that makes, uh, you know, again, makes the movie that's kind of hard to make even better because everyone just did a, a bang-up job. And I think we can agree that Morgan can structure a, a movie. I think that's what we've learned. Uh, that's, the big takeaway that's the big takeaway. Sure. <laughs> that's the big takeaway. That's the big takeaway. Yeah, so thanks for the watch, Phil. I, I appreciate you, you bringing it to us. As for next week, uh, I think it's we're going to switch gears a little bit. And I won't go into too much to why this one's going to be the next one. But we are going to watch The Arrival. I believe oh. that, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, that's Amy Adams and... Uh, oh, okay. Ryan. So, oh, that's, okay. That's just Arrival. Quit, oh, stop <laughs> adding those. <laughs> that's funny. Because yeah. the, the Arrival is a really shitty Charlie Sheen oh, movie from like too. the mid-90s. Okay. And I was like, Arrival. my heart sank a little bit. <laughs> I always do that when, when I post these podcasts, Phil. I'm like, is it the? Is it the Days of Wine and Roses? And I always have to look it up because I wouldn't want to make the, the mistake. Uh, uh, no, of course not. So it's Arrival with Amy Adams and I believe the, that Reiner character that's uh, uh, everyone... Uh, Jeremy uh, Renner. Jeremy Renner, yeah. yes, that everyone knows and loves. Uh, so, yeah, and I'll uh, disclose to why next week. I'll leave uh, you know people hanging on that, uh, but I hope you uh, tune in for it. I know you will. Well... <laughs> I will be here. Uh, I I can't wait uh, to watch Arrival with you uh, and talk about it next week. All right, folks, that's it. You can follow us, if you like, at uh, Facebook, uh, Off the Shelf with Phil and Dave. And uh, obviously, feel free to share this podcast with anyone you know. We really appreciate it. As for then, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Good night.